1: The Lord is good. Welcome everybody who's watching online, all of you who are here in the house. For all of you, it's just such a a privilege to to be able to worship Hashem. Numbers chapter 32, please. Numbers 32. Wow, it's the middle of Yom Kippur right now. These days are precious. You know, the older I get, the more I understand the, the preciousness of the days. Amen? Numbers chapter 32. Well, we need to know what the Word of God says regarding our lives and regarding sin. This is the time of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Numbers chapter 32 in the Torah, verse 23, says this. God is warning our people. But if you don't do this, behold, you sin against God. Be assured, your sin will find you out. I don't know about you, but um, my parents put that into me when I was a kid. (laughs) Your sins will find you out. Don't try to hide things from me, son. Don't try to hide it. You ever been around little kids, you know that this is the routine, right? Irving? Irving? Did you eat that chocolate that I told you not to eat, Irving? No, not me. No, not me. With open hands and a face covered in chocolate. (laughs) Isn't that the routine? No, I didn't have any chocolate. I just covered. I mean, it's like so obvious. The evidence is so right there, right? No, I didn't have any chocolate. Irving? Oh, man, come on. That's a routine that we all know and are familiar with. If you've ever been around a little kid. Listen, it is human nature. It is our flesh. It is human nature to try to avoid accountability. It really is. We don't like to be held accountable for what we do when it's not good, when it's not kosher. (laughs) Okay, we don't want to face our sins. Y'all, we just don't. The more we mature in the Lord, the more we have a deeper understanding of it. But from a fleshly perspective, we don't want that accountability. We don't want to have to face our sins. No one really does in the flesh. And the Bible is replete with people who should know better, but who try to dodge accountability for their sins. They should know better, but they try to slip out from accountability. Adam, Eve, Cain, King Saul, Ananias, Sapphira, many others, people who know better, who try to wiggle their way out of of any kind of guilt. Oftentimes they play the blame game. Genesis chapter 3, please, in the Torah. Oftentimes it's the blame game. Whenever somebody does something wrong, you know, and and such is the case today as well, beloved. Y'all, it's Yom Kippur. It's, it's, it's not time to, to be pointing the finger at others. It's time to be looking inside yourself. Bereshit, Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Then to the man, God said, because you listened to your wife's voice and ate of the tree which I commanded you, saying you must not eat of it, cursed is the ground because of you. With pain, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles will sprout for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow will you eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you will return. Oof, man. <laughs> That's heavy-duty stuff right there from God. Oof. Now, friends, we know that God forgives. This is, after all, the Day of Atonement. We know that God forgives. That's kind of the point of this day. But at the same time, there are often consequences to our sins. There are often consequences to our sins. And in this case, here is a reminder from God as to the fact that disobedience to God is truly costly. Man would die. And life would be much more difficult than it was in the garden. Gone Eden. Women would have painful childbirths. And would not have a good relationship with snakes. <laughs> That's, okay. See, these are reminders. These are reminders, even though God forgives us. You understand, it's an interesting dynamic. I want you to start internalizing this. Sometimes there are reminders. Sometimes there are consequences. Sometimes there are things that God does to remind us, don't do that again. Even though he forgives us genuinely and completely, but we need to heed those reminders as well. Amen? Because it's our tendency just to move on. It's Yom Kippur, friends. It's the Day of Atonement. It's a weighty day for sure. On this day, we are much better off confessing our sins as opposed to hiding our sins. I want to say that again because this is not rhetorical. I want you to really think about it and apply it in your life. Today is Yom Kippur. And on this day, we are much better off confessing our sins as opposed to hiding our sins. Exodus chapter 32 in the Torah. Here's something very interesting. Exodus chapter 32. I want to I kind of build something here, uh, an interesting pattern that really elucidates this point. Okay, Exodus chapter 32, starting in verse Echad, verse 1. The children of Israel were there at Mount Sinai. Receiving the Ten Commandments, Moses was up on the mountain. The people were down below. They had just had the Ten Plagues. They had just crossed the Red Sea. They had come to Mount Sinai. Verse 1 Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, Moses' brother, and said to him, Get up, make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses, <laughs> how quickly. As a side note, as for this Moses, I, I just love that. I love the, the cadence of that. It's not easy being a Messianic Jewish rabbi. <laughs> as for this Rabbi Solomon, no, no, no. Okay, boy, man, he, he, Moses got him through the 10 plagues, y'all. Come on, through the Red Sea, and now he's this Moses? Man, that's rough. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. <laughs> so Aaron said to them, oh, Aaron, 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 said to them, break off the golden rings that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden rings that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He received them from their hand and made a molten calf, fashioned with a chiseling tool. Then they said, This is your God, Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. That's humiliating. It's a Shonda, we would say, for shame, for shame on our people for doing this after all that God had done for them. And wow, think about Aaron. Aaron gives into the mob rather quickly and forms the golden calf. Horrible horrible. Aaron, what are you doing, Aaron? Moses is up on the mountain. Aaron's the leader with the people. He clearly was was Moses' right hand. Even with Pharaoh, he was speaking for him and everything. Aaron was was the, the, the guy. Aaron, what are you doing? Aaron, a golden calf saying this is your god. My gosh, Aaron, you should know better. A little while later, while answering to Moses about it, when Moses asked him about it, later on in verse 24, Aaron says, get this. Oh, man, I just, this one's hard. It's hard to hear. Aaron said, he just threw the gold in the fire and out came the calf. I don't know. Did you have any of the chocolate? No, not me. (laughs) Come on, Aaron. Wow, what a coincidence. The golden calf, poof. Boy, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron blew it royally. Aaron really blew it really, 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 really bad. Aaron and the golden calf. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Think about Aaron and the golden calf. But then something interesting happened in Exodus 32. Something interesting happened next in verse 26, because the calf was there, the people were frolicking and partying and and Aaron was making excuses. In verse 26, Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said, whoever is on Adonai's side, let him come to me. Then all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. It's interesting. Moses was a Levite, of course. It was his tribe. It was Aaron's tribe too, of course. And, and all the Levites came and Moses told them, this is, this is really bad, what's going on here, told him to slay people from the other tribes as they had sinned so severely against God. Wow, that's intense. And here's something else to note, which is very interesting. Perhaps you never put this together, but it's so interesting. The Levites The Levites, why are the Levites different from the other tribes? It's because of this moment. Originally, in God's original plan, originally, he planned for the firstborn of every tribe, of each of the 12 tribes, were going to be the priests. That's written in the scripture. The firstborn of every tribe, Naphtali, Asher, Judah, Manasseh. All of the firstborn of every tribe was supposed to be the, the, the priest. So whenever anybody had a kid, their firstborn would become one of the priests. But after the tribe of Levi did not go along with the golden calf, God said, these are my priests. These are my priests. The tribe of Levi, these are the ones. Numbers chapter 3, Numbers chapter 3 in the Torah, verse 45, God says this, Take the Levites in place of all of the firstborn of Bnei Israel, the children of Israel, and the livestock of the Levites in place of their livestock. The Levites will be mine. I am Adonai. Wow. So the golden calf, y'all, the golden calf was really important. The golden calf was a defining moment for so much in our people's history. You think about that. The golden calf moment. Moses. Aaron. The Ten Commandments. The giving of the law. Shavuot the Levites becoming priests. Wow, a lot is connected all into this moment. There's a lot that's going on that's connected to this. Here's some interesting trivia for you. Yom Kippur trivia. You know, I feel like we need some music or something. Yom Kippur trivia. Not exactly big at parties. (laughs) You may have noticed, and you may not have, but you may have noticed mine and some others here, uh, and and myself also that that we have very casual shoes on. Okay, my shoes here are not. I mean, listen, I, I typically dress with my nice, fancy leather shoes, but but today, no, I've got these. Uh, they're sneakers on, and they're they're made with a a. Uh, uh, like a cloth material. My shoes, they happen to be black, so they kind of blend in a little bit, but uh, but they're actually just, they're sneakers is what they are. As a side note, they're very comfortable to preach in, thank you very much, but but that kind of defeats the purpose. Here's the point about these, these casual shoes comparatively. There's a reason that I'm wearing these today on Yom Kippur, For many centuries, Jewish people have not worn leather shoes on Yom Kippur. It's not explicitly in the scripture, but we've not worn leather shoes on Yom Kippur. Why? There are two main reasons. One, scriptures say on Yom Kippur that God tells our people, you're to afflict yourselves. And so it was viewed on Yom Kippur that we shouldn't have the luxury of nice leather shoes. On Yom Kippur. That's probably the main reason. It's interesting, leather belts are okay, maybe, but not leather shoes. But the second reason, especially on Yom Kippur, is that in no way do we want to remind God of the golden calf, especially on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. So we don't wear the leather shoes. We don't want to remind God, you know, what are we doing? We're beating our chests asking for forgiveness. The last thing we want God to do is to look down and say, Oh, they're asking for forgiveness. Hmm, leather shoes. <laughs> the golden calf. Hmm. So interesting. So many believers today in the world operate in a mindset of something that's been referred to as cheap grace. Cheap grace. What is cheap grace? It's the teaching of forgiveness without true repentance. That's essentially what it is. Forgiveness without true repentance. Repenting Be'evrit in Hebrew is, is teshuvah, literally to turn from. So think of it as one way and then teshuvah, repent. You turn the other way. There's a turning away. That's what true repentance is. But so few that you will see on TV or on the internet will teach a true Repentance. If we really want to draw near to God, beloved, we can't just simply take God's grace for granted. You can't do that, friends, but so many do. Let me rephrase that. So many of us do. I remember I was a youth director for 12 years, and and every once in a while when i was a youth director i'd be talking to a teenager about something that they were struggling with in their life and and then i'd have the teen confess to me that they'd sin quite intentionally knowing that god would forgive them that is an anathema to the purpose of grace, and its cost. Romans chapter 6, please. Rabbi Shaul, Paul the Shaliach, specifically addresses this point. And beloved, we need to weigh into it. It is Yom Kippur, y'all. We need to get serious about this. We're not playing synagogue here at Bethelel. All love and respect, because I know we've got a lot of people who are watching for the first time, and if so, rahim habayim, welcome to you. But our congregation is not a congregation that only comes out once a year. The vast majority of our congregation is every Shabbat, and that—that that is what we're called to. Yom yom. Rabbi Shoal specifically addresses this issue in Romans chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? May it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Wow. But as much as we snicker, At the teenager, who is so brazen as to say it out loud, in the end, aren't we sometimes similarly guilty of taking advantage of God's grace? It's Yom Kippur. You can't hide behind your non-leather shoes. God sees through hypocrisy. There is a reason we go through the Vidui on, on Yom Kippur. To me, the al which we had earlier, which is so profound to me, it is perhaps the most poignant moment of the whole year. 365 days the whole year. To me, probably the most poignant moment of the whole year is when we recite the al and repent. When we go one after the other, after the other, after the other with these confessions. It's extremely weighty. And it should be weighty. To me, when we do that, it's like the moment where we, where we all strip off our second face. And, and, and face the raw meat underneath, which is exposed but it's only transformative if you truly repent for it. Not if you just read the words up on the screen and are like, oh, for the sin of this, we repent. 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 The sin of this, we repent. For the sin of this, we repent. Wow, this list is long. For the sin of this, we repent.
0: (laughs) What good is that?
1: That's useless. It's only transformative if you truly repent for it. Turn away. Turn away from that which is inside of you that is displeasing to God. We're here on Yom Kippur. And listen, friends, I know well that you personally did not commit all the sins in the Alchet or the Ashamnu but by gosh, you committed some of them. And so did I. And Yom Kippur is a moment in time when we can stop for a minute and be truthful even to ourselves. No hiding away like Adam and Eve. No evading like King Saul not just focusing on what's topical and not wearing leather shoes. Colossians chapter two. So I ask, have you looked within? Have you looked within? Have you sincerely checked yourself out to determine what does not belong? Don't let this Yom Kippur get by you. Don't let Yom Kippur pass by without being real with yourself and being real with God and examining inside and saying, is there something here that doesn't belong? Brother or sister, I'm going to tell you something straightforwardly. If you are looking within yourself and you can't find anything that doesn't belong, I will give you something, pride. Think about it. Believers all too often take God's forgiveness for granted. And what do they do? What do we do? A quick, oh, God forgive me. As if it's formulaic. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of what is occurring. A quick, passive, oh, God forgive me. Oh, God forgive me. Yeah you move along like, like nothing ever happened and, and don't even think about it again. Like it's some kind of a, a magic potion. You just say, and okay, then you can just move on. You don't even think about it. N- no, that's not how it works. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him, Messiah, When he pardoned us all our transgressions, he wiped out the handwritten record of debts with its decrees against us, which was hostile to us. How did he take it away? He took it away by nailing it to the cross, to the execution stake. When you sin, my friends, you need to repent. Repent means turn away from that which you were doing, to turn away. When you repent, it is Yeshua who takes your sin away through being nailed to an execution stake. It's not small fries, friends. It's a big deal if you truly feel the weights of the cost of your forgiveness, it should provoke you to want to truly repent, to turn from. Is that how you feel today? Understanding that when you repent, when you beat your chest, when you say, God, forgive me, what you're doing is is that that is Messiah being nailed to the execution stake and his blood being shed for you. It is not something insignificant. It is something tragically weighty. But really getting that should help you want to not sin. It should make you want to turn away from your sin. want to give you this thought, these thoughts here as we prepare to kind of conclude this section, and I think it's very thought-provoking. As, as I was preparing y'all for Yom Kippur this year, I spent a great deal of time meditating on Numbers 29, Leviticus 23, Hebrews 9, Leviticus 16, as always, the different parts of Yom Kippur, the story of Yom Kippur, In the account of what happened on Yom Kippur from Leviticus chapter 16, in the account of what happened on Yom Kippur from Leviticus 16, I was reminded of the whole process, right? You remember Leviticus chapter 16, the whole process of what happened when we had the Mishkan, when we had the tabernacle, when we had the the temple. It's all described in great length in Leviticus chapter 16. The high priest, If it, it, it was such a, it was a beautiful orchestrated uh, procession of what happened on Yom Kippur. I'm talking about that which happened on Yom Kippur back in the days of the tabernacle and the temple. It was so interesting how it happened. The high priest would make multiple sacrifices that day on Yom Kippur both for himself and for the whole nation. You remember the story of Yom Kippur's in the past. He would cast lots between the goat sacrifice for Adonai and the scapegoats. He would go into the Holy of Holies. He would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. He would put some on the altar with his fingers. Right? You You know the story. You remember the... The, the, the journey that the high priest would go through on that day, there were lots of different parts of it. He would then send the scapegoat into the wilderness. He, the, the, the high priest, all of this done by the high priest. The high priest would, would change clothes multiple times. It's one of the reasons why I have the white kittle today. Symbolic of the high priest's garb, the white garment that he would wear on Yom Kippur. He would change clothes multiple times. He would wash multiple times. It was an intense time for the high priest. No question about it. On the advanced trip to Israel this year, we went to a full-scale model of the tabernacle in the desert and recounted all of these things in great detail. It was amazing. And, And the whole scene is powerful and intense. The symbolism is strong. The whole point of innocent blood being shed as a substitute sacrifice for us. So clearly points to Yeshua, for sure. This innocent blood, this innocent animal whose blood is shed as a substitute sacrifice for us. I'm not making this up as like some messianic thing. This traditional Judaism, it's looked at that exact way. The blood of the innocent, which took the place as a substitute for us, so clearly points to Yeshua. But I was struck by something I had not seen before this year, and it was like, wow, 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 wow. Leviticus chapter 16. Wow, I was really, man, it's... As you know, in general, if you study the the Torah, there are lots of different types of sacrifices and offerings in the Torah. There are many different types of of sacrifices. You're familiar. You've read these over the years, one or the other. You have burnt offerings. You have peace offerings. You have grain offerings. You have trespass offerings. There are these different types of sacrifices that are talked about in the torah but primarily in primarily in leviticus 4 and 5 it outlines the sin offerings the sin offerings and what's interesting about the sin offerings is that if you look at it closely and if you study The sin offerings, there are actually different types of sin offerings. So there are different types of of sacrifices in general, but then there are the sin offerings. And within the sin offerings, there are different categories of sin offerings. And what was sacrificed was dependent upon the offender, who the offender was. Based on the offender, a certain sacrifice would be given very poor people offered flour or pigeons or doves as their sin sacrifice others offered a, a female goat or lamb rulers for their sin offering offered a male goat And for the entire community, or for a priest, it was a bull. But for the ceremony on Yom Kippur, it was a little bit different. And it's so interesting to me. I'd never really picked up on this before. But the ceremony for Yom Kippur, it was different. Specifically for the sin offering. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 3. It says this, In this way... Should Aaron come into the sanctuary with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering? Hmm, interesting. Verse 5. Skip to verse 5. Then he is to take from the congregation of the children of Israel two he goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Then Aaron is to offer the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself and make atonement for himself and his house. Okay, let me drill this down why this is so interesting to me. So on Yom Kippur, for the whole nation, the sin offering were the goats. You're familiar with it. Azazel, the the one for the Lord, and the scapegoat. You're familiar with that story? That was for the nation. That was the sin offering for the nation. Now, that's unusual. As the offering for the, for the nation is almost always a cow. Leviticus 4, Numbers 15, Numbers 19, Deuteronomy 21. But in this case, on Yom Kippur, it was two goats for the sin offering. But did you catch the sin offering for Aaron in verse 3? A young bull. Let me give you another name for a young bull, a calf. How deep. Aaron, who literally formed the golden calf was told to sacrifice a calf for his sin. And also interestingly, all the high priests that would follow him in his family line did the same. And we see in this two messages First, God seems to be emphasizing to Aaron, do not create any more idols. See, God forgives us, but sometimes there are reminders for us. At the same time, he seems to be reminding the priests that follow of their heroism, and that the Levites would not even be priests had they not stood up to the golden calf. Beloved, don't try to hide your sins. Similarly, don't just dismiss them as inconsequential. It's Yom Kippur. It's time to get real. It's time to grow. It's time to repent, which means to turn from. Are you there yet? Or are you here just for the show? title of my message is Leather Shoes. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If that's you, nothing could be greater than to offer your life to the Lord. To sincerely repent and say, yes, I need Yeshua as my Messiah. Amongst others, we had a wonderful Jewish doctor last night who said yes to Messiah for the first time. If that's you and you've never said that prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, but you would like to, lift your hand and we'll pray together. Is there anybody in this house that has never said yes to Messiah, but you know you need your sins forgiven? Just wave your hand to me and we'll have a simple prayer if you've never said that prayer before to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. Maybe you're watching online and you've never said that prayer also. If that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. So if you're watching online, you've never given your life to God, or if you're here and you raised your hand or you couldn't quite get your hand up, repeat this simple prayer after me. Say, dear God, I humble myself before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I'll turn away from them. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, O God. Thank you for Yom Kippur, my day of atonement. In Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, if you're here with us today, Please see me after the service. I just want to celebrate with you. If you're watching online, please, or listening on the podcast, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you and rejoice in something that has fundamentally changed inside of you. Why? Because as much as we beat our chests on Yom Kippur and ask for forgiveness, with all the teshuvah, or tefillah or that we can offer, It's ineffectual without a blood covering, it says in Leviticus in the Torah. This is why the temple stood, why the altar was there, and why Messiah Yeshua came, and why we still need it today. And we need Him today. Thank you, Lord, for this, God. Thank you for this beautiful day. Please bless the rest of our observances today. Yitzchir service to the afternoon, Ohel Moed, afternoon of work and prayer, and then the Ne'ilah service, God. Please, may it be a blessing unto you, Lord, as we dedicate ourselves to you. Thank you for all these things, B'Shem Yeshua, amen and Amen.
0: Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom.